of the fear factor running rampant across our country. He's charged with abduction with intent to defile. There are two teachers accused of having sex with a student. It's scary because it's random, fast, and virulent. The outbreak in Africa is even worse than we feared. Giving groundbreaking new rights to transgender students. Within hours, same-sex weddings were underway in Virginia. Terrorists attacking this shopping mall, killing 67 people. A British hostage has been murdered by his ISIS captors. The gunman killed in that exchange of fire has been identified as a Canadian citizen who converted to Islam. Police in New York City labeled a hatchet attack on four or rookie police officers, a terrorist attack. Good morning. You know, I was thinking about uh, chaos. Uh, that's uh, what we talked about last week, uh, how to deal with chaos in our life. Boy, there's a lot of chaos at my house on uh, Monday night this past week. Whew. I'm telling you right now, I ordered my Super Bowl tickets. I got them right here, and uh, I'm ready to go, baby. I got them. You don't believe it? Right here they are. Super Bowl tickets. So, they came in the mail today. There's a bitter cowboy fan on the front row up here. If the ushers could take him out. Anyway, I won't talk about that anymore. Uh, I'm glad that you're here. And, uh, you know, speaking of chaos, that's what we did speak on last week. And we talked about that there's chaos in the world. You know, really, uh, people are kind of asking about this series. This series is really just about how do we deal with the headlines, the things that are happening in our life. How do we deal with the chaos created by the headlines that we read every day in our life? And last week we talked about how this Ebola outbreak and all those other viruses, how they are, uh, have created and can create chaos in our life. And uh, we talked about the fact that Jesus told us not to fear those that can kill the body or that which can kill the body, but fear that which can kill the soul. And we learned that, uh, that there's a monster within all of us that creates chaos in us, and that monster is called the sinful nature. And unless we deal with that sinful nature, it will continue to create chaos in us, and that chaos will, be, will affect everyone around us with that chaos. And so if you didn't, weren't here to be a part of that message, and you'd like to see that message, you can go online, and you can view that uh, at any time you like. All of our services are rebroadcast on Wednesday night, and we have a pastor that is online with our uh, people that are uh, worshiping online even today. And we say, hey, to you that are worshiping online. And um, so anyway, we spoke about chaos. And then Friday night here at the church, we had a lot of chaos. We had, I don't know, some people said 5,000, some people said 7,000, some people said 8,000. Here's what I know. We had a lot, a lot of people here. Uh, they were lined up from that corner all the way back to that end of the driveway that way. And they stayed lined up from 6 o'clock, before 6 o'clock, all the way to 8.30. And we just want you to see a little bit of the chaos. Coming back to liven up your day. Oh, 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 o
supernatural fears you never thought you'd find Your nightmares come to life and it's planning to stay a while You better grin, you better bet, you better crack a smile oh. Yay! I love that group at the end there that did their little uh, dance. Hey, who won, the, who won the best trunk? Anybody know? No? Best trunk? We had a contest. I thought maybe I'm wrong. But that, that happens occasionally in my life that I'm wrong. I just work here on Saturdays and Sundays, so I don't really. Anyway, uh, there was a, I read a story this week about one summer night, we gave away between four and 5,000 pounds of candy. Now, that's a lot of candy. Grocery carts full of candy. Thank you for that candy. Uh, but one night there, there, um, there was a severe thunderstorm that came over the area, and a mother was tucking her small son into bed. And she was about to turn the light off when he asked in a trembling voice, Mommy, will you stay with me all night? You ever had a child do that? And smiling, the mother gave, as mothers do, that warm, reassuring hug and said tenderly, I can't, dear. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. Well, the room got quiet. And after a long silence, at last it was broken with a shaky voice that said, that big sissy. <laughs> Have you been keeping up with the latest headlines this week? You know, some that I read this week was like, ISIS lines up and kills 50. ISIS grabs headlines, but Obama remains a top threat to the US. Uh, United Nations, another one says, expresses deep outrage at ISIS. Or this one that was, I found Saturday that's a little closer to home. Possible ISIS leaflets found in the town of Quantico. Now that's a small newspaper reporting that, but Colin told me last night that he just saw the headline in the USA Today as well, that same headline. So we can see that terrorism is getting closer and closer to our front door. I mean, after all, Quantico is just a short drive, depending on the traffic, up the road from where we live. So we have the, the, the uh, possibilities of terrorism, ISIS, right here in our own community. But do you remember what Jesus said? He said, in this world, we will have terrorists. That's not exactly what he said, but he did say that we would have trouble. And when we have that trouble, it creates chaos in our life. It creates fear, creates worry and confusion. And, and if we're not careful, it's, it's headlines like this that will make big sissies out of all of us. We're living in a new day in America. We all know that. Ever since 9-11, we live in a new day. You know, it used to be every time I go through an uh, airport security, I would think about Osama bin Laden in a cave somewhere laughing at me taking my shoes off and my belt off and, and going through that line. But we live in a new day ever since 9-11. We live in a, in a new day here in America. You know, we're living in, uh, uh, we find ourselves living in the land, of the, fear, uh, the land of fear instead of the land of the free. Uh, th there seems to be daily threats, daily headlines that make us realize that not just those who are in New York or Washington or any other major city, that they are at risk, but the threat is real and it's nationwide and, and we stand against an evil regime that has, put, that has but one goal and that's to kill everyone who's not exactly like them. They wanna kill us because we're not exactly like them. We don't have the same beliefs and, and uh, 
And so we're against this evil regime, terrorism, biological weapons, chemical weapons, beheadings, attacks on our homelands. And the, I, Americans, I read just recently that 73% of all Americans are living in fear, fear about their future. Many people are now fighting what the terrorists want us to fight, and that's a psychological warfare within our own minds. You see, when, when terrorists can cause us to fear, they've won. When terrorists can cause us to hate, they've won because they're, they're fighting a psychological war against us, and, and it seems like in our minds that somehow we're letting them win that war. You see, it seems to me that today in America, and even in the church, that we have developed or allowed a spirit of fear to enter our lives. And Jesus spoke of that in the last days. When he said in Luke 21, 26, when he said, men will faint from what? Terror. They will faint from fear. Apprehensive of what's coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. You know, that, that, isn't that a picture of our times that we're living in? And yet Jesus said, in the end days, in those last days that we're living in, he said that men will shake in their boots, that, that, we, will, uh, that we will faint from terror. And we'll be apprehensive of what's coming on in the world and, and we're living apprehensively in fear for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And yet this is not, this is not the way that God intends for his children, those of us who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not the way that he intended his children, all of us in our world to live our lives. You see, our world is an ever-increasing place of unrest, uh, an ever-increasing place of turmoil and trouble, and therefore, fear is something more and more and more and more people are living with. And also, we have begun to accept that as just a part of life for these days that we live in. I mean, I hear people say all the time, we, we got to live to protect ourselves, we got to take care of ourselves, and, we gotta, and we're kind of living in this fear. It seems like it's overtaking many of our lives. You know, fear consumes us. And, and, and if many of us, it doesn't have to be like that for those of us who are consumed by fear. You see, we don't have to live in fear. You see, fear is not from God. Fear is not from God. Fear is from our spiritual enemy. Some people call our spiritual enemy the devil. Others call him Satan. But he is our spiritual enemy. And he wants to cause us to live with this spirit of fear in our lives. And he's not for us. He is against us. God, though, on the other hand, God our Father, the God, the creator of the universe, the God that loves us, and he loves us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, he, the all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful God has not given us a spirit of fear. But rather, the Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but rather he's given us a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. I want us to read that scripture together because I think in these days we might need to know this. So this, this might need to become a memory verse for you. For God, read it with me, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I think we ought to do that one more time. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, 
but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's the gift that God has given us. And every believer in this room today, the characteristic of every believer in this room today is that we have power, love, and a sound mind, and they are available to us because the Holy Spirit lives in us. When we became believers in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God himself, moved in us into our hearts and lives, and with, with that spirit comes power, love, and a sound mind. And that's the characteristics that we have as believers if we follow Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So as God's people, what do we have to fear? What do we have to fear? You know, if we truly understand God, and we truly understand His love for us, if we truly understand His promises, what can actually trouble us? So the question I want to answer today, I want to try to answer today with the help of God and His Spirit, today I want to answer the question is, what can we do when we're afraid? What happens when we read a headline that says ISIS is dropping pamphlets in Quantico and we're afraid? What do we do when we're afraid our children are gonna drop off the deep end? What do we do when we're afraid that we're gonna lose our job? What do we do when we're afraid our marriage is crumbling? What do we do when we're losing our financial stability and the economy goes crazy? What do we do when we are afraid? It's okay? So, so did you know that terrorism is not something new? It may have a name, a new name that we have called it in this day and time, but terrorism is not something new. I, I want us to look at, at uh, a story from the Old Testament of terrorism, which I believe is a great example of how you and I can live in our life without uh, fear, that we can live above fear, that we can conquer the fear in our life, that we can take the terror out of terrorism, and how we can do that from the example of this story. You see, we're talking about a story uh, about uh, uh, about what, uh, about David, there we go, in the Old Testament. We're talking about uh, David who in the Old Testament was anointed to be the future king over all of Israel. I mean, he was the chosen one, he was the one that was gonna take Saul's place when it came time for a new king. The, and the present king, as I said, his name was King Saul, and King Saul was very, very threatened by this up and coming, rising new star, David. He was, he was so threatened by him that he started to despise David. I mean, I mean, you talk about a terrorist, he was so threatened by him and so threatened by his power that, he, that he, the Bible teaches us that he started to despise David. He hated him. And so King Saul said to all of his forces, all of the forces that he had power over, he said, I want you to go and I want you to hunt him down and I want you to jab a spear through his heart and I want you to kill him. I want you to take his life, King Saul said, because he is a threat to my power. You see, and if we know this story, and a lot of you do, we've, we might think, even think that, that uh, David uh, was afraid because he was on the run and he, and, he, and he was running away from David. But think about this. What if this were you, okay? What if you were David? And let's put yourself in the modern day right now. Let's say that President Obama is threatened by Paul and all the power that he has. And, and he says to all the forces in the United States, 
He says to all of our military might, he says to all our uh, technological know-how, he says, I, I am, Paul is threatening my power. And so I want you to hunt him down. I want you to find him and I want you to destroy him. I want you to kill him. I want you to, to wipe him out. Every bit of strength you have in this country is coming after you. And that was Paul's reality. That's what Paul was living. So what did he do? Look at Psalms 56, two and four, two through, two through four. As we, get, as we look into where David was living, he said this first, he said, my slanderers, and I, in my way of thinking, we could call that my terrorists, my enemies, people who hated me, my, my slanderers pursue me all day long. I mean, he's saying that's the reality of the situation. He understands that his slanders are pursuing him every moment of every day, of every moment, of every night, and they're coming after me. And he says, many are attacking me in their pride. Many are attacking me in their pride. Now, really, isn't that the, uh, the foundation? Isn't that the basis for terrorism? I mean, it boils down to I know better that our way is better, that the way I do it is the right way, and, and you have to believe like I believe, and, 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 we, and so pride and, and, and wanting to be powerful. And then he says, David says, when I am afraid, he's saying, when I am afraid. In other words, sometimes it's just too much, God. Sometimes, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's just too overwhelming, and you can say that as well. You can say, you know, sometimes my fear of losing my marriage, it's just too much to handle. The fear of losing my job is just too much to handle. The fear of my safety, of being safe in my home or being safe, it's just, it's overwhelming to me. It's more than I can handle. It's more than I can handle thinking my wife might walk out on me, you know, and, and when I'm afraid about losing my life to terrorists. And we feel that way sometimes. When I'm afraid, David says, I will trust in you. He's saying, I will trust in you. What he's saying is, by faith, David's saying, by faith, I choose to put my trust in you. I choose to put my trust in you. In verse four, it says, in God who, whose word I praise, in God I will trust. So the first thing, we have to do when we're afraid is we have to choose that we're gonna trust God. That when we feel threatened and when we feel that fear is overwhelming us, instead of putting trust in what the world tells us to put trust in, we have to say, I'm gonna put trust in God. We have to make that choice because every time that we are afraid, we choose something to put our trust in. That's what human beings do. If we're fearful that terrorists are gonna attack us, then we'll go out and buy a gun. And we'll say, I'm gonna protect myself. And we can put our trust in our firearms. We can put our trust in our bank account. We can say, you know what? When the economy hits, I've got enough money hidden in my freezer. That's where my mom puts her money, don't go get it. Uh, but my mom saves money in the freezer in case the banks go bad. And she won't have any money, but she's got money in the freezer, you know? Uh, we, she puts her trust in her freezer. You know, she put, we, when we are fearful, we, we might put our trust in our spouse to say, you know what, my spouse, I put my trust in my spouse. Or I put my trust in my medication. Or I put my trust in, but we have to make a choice to say, when I am fearful, David says, when I am afraid, 
I am not gonna put my trust in my friends. I'm not gonna put my trust in all the weapons. I'm gonna not put my trust in anything other than he says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in God. I will put my trust in God. He made a choice. And then he says, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? So, so once I make a choice to trust God, we say, I will not be afraid, and, and, and we will choose to trust God. In other words, we have to choose to trust God. It's a choice. You had a choice. We have a free will. God doesn't force us to trust him. We have a choice to follow God. We have a choice whether we're going to believe in Jesus or not. God, we have a free will we can choose. And so we have to choose to trust God in times of fear. You know, not to things of the world. And, and that's what David is saying. He says, I will put my faith in God. I will put my faith in God. And he said, what can mortal man do to me? What can a mortal man do to me? He says, I will not be afraid of a man. I will not be afraid of a multitude of armies. He said, he said I will not be afraid of mortal man. Now, now, if you look at it, you'd say, well, what can mortal man, you might say that, and that's what I kind of thought about, well, what can mortal man do to him? So tell the person next to you. Everybody got a person next to you? Tell the person next to you, what can mortal man do to you? Just tell him all the possibilities of what mortal man can do to him and you. So, so tell me some of them. Tell me one. What can mortal man do to us? Kill you. I, yeah, kill us. Hurt you. Take away loved ones. Insult you. Lie to you. Lie about you. Yeah. Resent you. Torture you. Steal from you. What else? Betray you. Lie about you. I think we had that. That's good again because that's what people will do about you. Anything else? I mean, what can mortal man do to me? That's what they can do to him. David must have thought, well, man, he can, he can take me out. He can torture me. He can ridicule me in front. He can drive me down or run me down the street, you know, and cut my head off like a gym. You know, he can hang me on a cross. He can do all those things. That's what mortal man can do to you and do to him. But David went... You know, he went from thinking about his temporary life on earth. See, we get so hung up on, only on our life on earth. Not, we fail to realize that we are going to live in the eternal from the moment we pass from this life to the next life. We are going to live in eternity forever. A whole lot longer than we're going to live here. But we get so focused on the temporary, on the here and now, life on earth. And David went from thinking about his temporary life on earth, and he started thinking about his life from a heavenly perspective, an eternal perspective. And, and what he is saying, he's saying, even if my worst fear comes true, even if David, even if Saul's men capture me in this cave, in this dirty, dark, dank, cave and he rubs a spear through my heart he says he's saying is even if my worst fears come true ultimately if i choose to trust god 
What can he do? What can man do? What can man do to hurt me eternally? My eternity. There's nothing. There is nothing. There is nothing that man can do to us to cut us off from God and his love for us. You see, if, if I ultimately choose to trust God, if, if I put all my faith in him, holding nothing back, I mean holding nothing back, there is nothing that man can do to hurt me if I choose to trust God with my whole life. In other words, if, if ultimately if I choose to trust God, with my whole life, not, you know, I, I can't say, well, God, I'm going to trust you with, I'm just going to trust you with my, my spouse and, 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 and not trust him with your finances because you can trust him with your spouse, but if you're not trusting him with your finances, then fear is going to come in and get in between you and God and your finances or you and God and your kids. If you, if, you know, it's whatever that we, that we fear, when we put that, it's going to get in between our relationship with God us and our, our relationship with God. And so I can't have anything in my life that I'm not trusting God with. I have to give God my whole life because whatever I don't give God my whole life, whatever area that's not in, that's the area that fear is gonna come into my life. That's the area that fear will control my life. And whatever area that we haven't committed totally to God, that's the area that the enemy has a foothold in. You see, there's nothing, when God has my whole life and I'm holding nothing back from God, there's nothing that man can do to hurt me if I choose to trust God with my whole life, every area of my life. So therefore, my worst fears, David's thinking, I'm thinking for David because I don't know what he was thinking, but I can read the scripture. But there's, he says, therefore, my worst fear compels in comparison, impels in comparison to the goodness of God. Now, here's what I've learned about my fears in life. The more I'm afraid, the more I'm afraid. And some, I tell you, honestly, fear is something that's gripped my whole life, most of my life. I mean, I've had all these stupid fears to deal with and had to surrender. You so, so here's what I'm saying. If what, what I've learned about the fears in my life, the more I'm afraid of the things or people in this world, the further my relationship is from God. Because... It, when fear is in my life, I can tell you, if I, I'll be flat honest with you, and you can be honest about your relationship, when there's fear in my life, there's a place in my life I'm not trusting God, and therefore, I have a wedge in my relationship with God. And so, I'm further from God. But you let me cozy right up to God, you let me get close to God, and there's less that I fear in my life. Because there's nothing that can get or drive a wedge between me and my relationship with God because I'm close to God. I'm trusting God. I've trusted him my whole life. And when I'm living in that reality and I'm, and I, and I'm trusting God and I've got this sense of God's love for my life and that I can trust him with my whole life and, and that the Bible says, if I seek ye first the kingdom of God, all things will be added unto my life. Everything I need, not what I greed, but things that I need, God says he will supply them. And when I'm trusting in God and I've got a close relationship with God, the more I trust him, the less I fear the people and things of this world. So what do you fear today? Let, let's, let's just not be hearers of the word today. You know, one of my fears, I'll confess to you today, is I do all this, spend all week doing all this. I get up here and I'm about dead right now. And I'm halfway embarrassed myself a lot of times when I go back and think, I never watch. You will never catch me watching me. I know I should, but... That's a fear. Whew. 
The only way I can do this is imagining you are in your underwear, okay? <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but, I, you know, my fear is that you'll leave and you never remember any of this. You know, you're just like, ah, oh, you know, whatever, good or bad, you know, make your judgment on that. But, but I want us to be more than just hearers of the word today. I want us to be doers of the word, okay? So you got to have to be brave. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person next to you. And I want you to tell them what your greatest fear is. Tell them what your greatest fear is. I want to hear some chatter. What's your greatest fear? Be real about it. What's your greatest fear? Not that you're preaching with your zipper down, but what's your greatest fear? Now, we're, now here's what, here's what I'm, I'm driving at, okay? The Bible says in James chapter 5, if anyone is in trouble, if anyone is in trouble, Call the elders of the church together, anoint their head with oil, elders or pastors, anoint their head with oil, and the prayer of the righteous person will make the sick person well. And then the next verse says, if, if we need to confess our sins one to the other, and God will heal us. So you've just done that. You've just confessed your sin because fear and worry is sin. And so what you've done, you confess to your neighbor that here's this fear that I have in my life. My fear is fear of rejection that I struggle with most now. I've worked through fear of failure, I've worked through fear of this, I've worked through fear of that. And now if I have one that I'm still dealing with, it's a fear of rejection that people won't like me, that I'll do something to make people mad, and it goes from there. So I'm telling you. Yeah, y'all had to tell one person. I had to tell everybody in here. And <laughs> how fair is that? Anyway, I'm crying, okay? So now what I want you to do is I want you to confess it to God. I just want you to bow your head, and I want you to confess that fear to God. Just tell God, God, I am afraid when, and just tell him. Thank you, Jesus, which leads us to the third point. So just stick with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speed up. Okay, the third thing is I want you to encourage you to do is when you're afraid, is to seek God, is to seek God. Seek Him. Seek God. Seek God. Seek God and seek God and seek God. And every time you're fearful, you say, God, I confess to you right now, I am fearful. God, I need your help. God, I need you. Seek God. Seek God. Seek God. Seek him when you read his word. Seek him. Look, at, look out scriptures. It says, fear not. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Seek God out. Where he says, I promise you, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I will be your helper in time of need. And when you're reading the Bible, slow down enough to seek out and, and seek out God and to seek out God and to seek him in your prayers when you're praying. You just pray, God, help me with, the, help me with this fear that overcomes me, this fear that paralyzes me. When you're here worshiping and they're singing, 
singing and we're, and we're in an attitude of worship and you can sense God's presence. You cry out to God in worship and you say, God, I worship you because God, you promised me that I have nothing to fear and you worship God because he's an all-knowing, all-powerful and, and an ever-present God that when we have Jesus Christ in our lives, we have a spirit of power and love and a sound mind and we praise him and we worship him. We have people pray for you in your small group. Just pray have people pray with you and have that person that you told next to you. Pray for that person. Ask them their name and pray for them. You know, seek after God day and night, day and night, and seek after God. And when fear comes, you make a decision, I'm going to trust God. And then when that time comes, you seek God. And he will eventually take your fears away. That's what David did, and it was life-changing for him, and it can be life-changing for us as well. Listen to what David said, I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord. I seek God. I sought him, I sought him, I sought him, I sought him. He sought God, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. You know what we have a tendency to do is we pray, oh God, I'm scared. And we say, we expect God to do something. Well, when you're afraid, you just keep seeking God and seeking God and seeking God. He said, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Now let's stop there for a moment and think about this verse. David said, I sought God and he delivered me. I sought God and he removed my fear. I sought God and he took away my fear. And there's no fear. David's saying there's no fear that holds him captive anymore. Yes, there are times I'm afraid. There's times that I, I'm scared. There's times that, that I have fear. But it doesn't paralyze me. It doesn't hold me captive anymore. He removed every fear that David had. I sought God, David said. He delivered me from my fears. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, said, I have never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. He said, whenever I fear, feel, whenever I fear, oh man, whenever I feel fearful emotions overtaking me, I just close my eyes and thank God that he is still on the throne reigning over everything and I take comfort in his control over the affairs of my life. Is that awesome or what? He says, whenever I fear, I just choose to close my eyes and remind myself that God is on the throne that God is in charge, that no one has dominion over my life. No one has control over my life, nothing, because God is on the throne. And you and I can do the exact same thing. Whenever you start to feel fear, we can just close our eyes and we can seek God. We can focus on God. And eventually God will become, become between us and our fear. You see, if not, fear will, become, will come between you and God. So just seek him and watch him help you and help you overcome it. You see, God, my friends, has not given you and I a spirit of fear. Fear is not from God. So don't accept it. When that fear comes knocking at your door, don't open the door. When fear comes, don't accept it. Don't give in to it. Don't subject yourself to fear, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You might say, but buddy, what if I do all that? What if I do all that? And it comes true. Whatever you fear today, ask yourself, what if? Well, what if? What if ISIS attacks Fredericksburg? Or what if, what if you lose a child? 
What if you go bankrupt? What if you lose my job? What if my wife walks out on me? What, what if the economy crashes and I lose everything? What if it does happen? Okay, what if? Gay always says, think about the worst case scenario. What if? What if I lose my job? What if everybody here rejects me and we lose our job? What if? Well, I'll probably, I'll probably just be like a basket case. I mean, I'll probably be, wow, what did I do? You know, I, I, and I, I'll probably just fall apart. I mean, that's the truth. I'll probably start saying, well, I could have done this, I could have done that, I could have done this. And I mean, I, I, I would have, you know, I probably thought, well, man, now I'm going to lose my house. What if? What if I lose my house? Well, well, well then I won't have any place to live. Well, what, what if I don't have any place to live? Well, I have to find a place to live. Well, what if, what if I have to get help to buy food? What if I have to go to my parents and ask for money? Well, what if? Eventually, I'll get down on my knees. Eventually, I'll get down on my knees and say, God, God, I don't have a job. God, I, I don't know what I'm going to do to feed my family. God, I don't know where we're going to live. God, I don't know where we're going to go. God, you promised never to leave me nor forsake me. God, you promised if I seek ye first the kingdom of God that all these things would be added unto me. God, and I got all these needs in my life and, I, and I'm going to put down, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to put my trust in God. Eventually, I'm going to say, you know what? I got to trust God that he's going to keep his promises, and they're all going to come true. And I'm going to get up off my knees, and I'm going to shake the dust from me, and I'm going to claim victory, and I'm going to go look for a job. What if? What if? What can mortal man do to us when we fully trust our lives into the hands of God? I read a statement this week that said, what you fear the most reveals what you value the most and what your fear reveals and what you fear reveals where you trust God the least. You see, God has not given his children a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So what if terrorists attack? What if you lose your job? What if you lose your child? What if, if you lose your spouse? What if you go bankrupt? What if? If you have a relationship with Jesus and you... Surrender your all to him. Put your trust in him in every area of your life. If you choose to seek him, he will sustain you. Because if you truly, truly know him and seek him, we have nothing to fear. The only fear we can have in our heart is a reverent fear for a holy God who created us, who loves us, who knit us together in our mother's womb. And the more we know and fear God, in a righteous, holy way, the less we have to fear on this earth. Satan wants you and I to be in bondage of fear, and God wants to set us free. When David said, what can mortal man do to me? Basically, what he is saying is, since I've given my life to Christ, and I've surrendered every area of my life to him, and depending on him, there's nothing anyone can do to take me out of God's perfect will 
eternally for my life. You see, folks, the Bible says there is no weapon. The enemy has no weapon. There's no weapon been formed against me that can prosper in Christ Jesus. There's no weapon that can prosper against those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, be encouraged, get excited, jump up and down and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And he who has overcome the, the world lives in us. And he gives us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Lord, I thank you for every person that's in this room, those who are listening online. Lord, I just thank you today that we can trust you. You have proven yourself faithful through many, many years, many generations, and even in our own lives of those of us who have trusted you. And so I pray, Lord, today that your Holy Spirit would fall fresh in you upon us, Lord. I pray that you would take the words that I spoke and separate anything out of that hearing of your people, Lord, that I've said that is of me. God, I want your spirit to reign right now. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would break that spirit of fear in our lives, that your Holy Spirit would reign and rule in the hearts and lives of each of us, Lord, and that, God, that we don't have to fear. Lord, we don't have to live in fear. God, help us to have the strength and a sound mind enough to know that when fear begins to come at us and paralyze us, that greater is he that lives in us than he who lives in the world. And God, you gave us a spirit of power, the power to overcome anything, anything that comes against us, Lord. You've given us the power of love and God, a sound mind to make sound decisions. And so, God, I pray that that spirit would fall fresh in you upon your people, God, upon your church, upon us as leaders in the church, God, that we would begin to cry out to an almighty God, Lord, that you would break the power of the spirit of fear, the fear has over our lives and that we would live in victory. And as we live in victory, God, the world will look at our lives in times of chaos and times of fear and times of confusion. And they would say, wow, I want what they have. God, would you give us that kind of spirit to live? God, help us not to live the way the world lives, but to live by the word of God. God, may we lay down our fears. May we lay down our weapons to fight fear. And Lord, put our trust wholly in you today. I pray for you today. Pray for me today, for those online. God, we need you. And we ask, Father, that you would bless us. And if you're here today and you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, then you've not yet received the spirit that gives us power and love and a sound mind that we can trust in God for our fears and that we can seek him. And the first time that you seek God with your life is when you seek him and you seek him for forgiveness and you invite him into your life. And you can do that today by just simply acknowledging right now in this prayer, Jesus, I believe. Just pray this with me in your heart. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross. Just pray that. I believe you died on a cross so that I could be forgiven of my sins. 
Jesus, I confess to you that I'm a sinner and I ask you, Lord, to forgive me and I invite you right now into my life to be my Savior. Jesus, I thank you for those who have prayed that prayer this morning. God, I thank you for all that's happened here today. Thank you for redeeming this time, Lord, in Jesus' name. May we all stand as we sing and worship this last time together, this beautiful hymn together. You know, it's a quiet place that God wants us to get to in our life. When chaos comes and fear comes, life gets noisy and chaotic. But God has provided a quiet place, and that's in his son, Jesus Christ. We're going to close, and if you'd like to come and pray at the altar and just seek God, surrender your fear, surrender that area of your life, you could do that. You could do it in your seat. Bobby's coming up, and Bobby's going to have the little bracelets of salvation. If you prayed and asked Christ to forgive you today, he'd like to give you a, a bracelet for you to wear, and uh, then we'll go. Okay, Gail, pray, and we'll go. Thank you. God bless.